Coming to you from the long-running music review website, adobeandteardrops.com. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Bringing you all of the amazing music that you're missing. I found my piece hidden in the story. My death will hold no need for mourning. From New York to Florida and all around the world, Rachel and Vaughn bring you the Adobe and Teardrops podcast. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Some ethical final destination. Hey, everybody. It is episode 143 of Adobe and Teardrops. Uh, <laughs> hope everyone's been having a nice week. It's been a pretty big up and down for me, especially with Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed to the Supreme Court. We're just gonna pretend, I guess, that she doesn't exist because fuck her. Um, but that was pretty devastating. On the other hand... I think I have a future in India because according to the podcast stats, uh, in the three months since I have had this podcast hosted on uh, the Indian version of Spotify, which is called Ghana, uh, I've had more downloads in India in the last three months than the rest of the world combined in the last three years. So if there are folks in India who are actually listening and it's not some weird algorithm thing from Ghana, please do say hi on Twitter or Facebook or on the website adobeandteardrops.com because if you don't, I don't believe that you're real, but I would love to know, especially if I need a place to stay in Delhi. I mean, not like you guys are doing that much better under Modi, but (laughs) it's always good to have options, you know? You just need the options. (laughs) Well, that was bleak, so let's get into some pop music that will hopefully be a little more uplifting, but it is Adobe and Teardrops, so probably not. Uh, But before we do, just want to remind you that Adobe and Teardrops also started off as a blog, so there's some great music coming out as we head into the end of the year, and I've been posting singles and videos throughout the week on there, so definitely check out the main website too for some bonus stuff if you like what you hear this week. There's always more. All right, let's jump in with Magana Majana. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, she's a artist who had been on the audio anti-hero record label when that was still a going concern, and that's when I first heard her music. Um, she just has some like really beautiful and sophisticated pop music. We're going to start it out with Morning Person from her new album, You Are Not a Morning Person. (laughs) And Patreon subscribers, you'll also hear Face in a Locket.
Magana, we heard Pale Fire, frequent fire on this podcast with King Salt. Patreon subscribers, I refresh your memory by playing Husbands. That's the title track from their new album, Husbands. 
Then we got into the favorite song from last week's episode, Stephanie Lambring's Pretty, from her gorgeous album, Autonomy. Definitely check out the full album if you thought Pretty was a sharp and incisive song. It only gets better. After that, we got some new music from Cam. <laughs> uh, I've heard, played both of these songs on the podcast in the past, I think, but Till There's Nothing Left is just a really fun song. But also, if you watch the video, it, I think, might be the only country music video by a mainstream radio country music artist who is, as far as I know, not themselves queer and climaxes in, like, a gay kiss. Uh, so we've got all these other people getting points for doing jack shit. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I won't go into it. Why well, be political? But, you know, Cam's the one of the few who's actually doing the work and actually has a diverse band and actually has a diverse team. Uh, and there are a lot of other women out there, like the high women, who are talking about having a crowded table, but they are definitely taking up the most space on that crowded table. Cam is not. That's why you should listen to her music and buy this album or stream it and help make sure that she has all the resources she needs to keep doing the good work she's been doing. After that, we listened to Twin Solitaire's Not My City from their album Fearless and Young. Excuse me. Uh, when I first listened to it, it kind of felt like how I've been feeling when I'm watching TV and I see New York City and I just feel like, yeah, remember when I lived there? Like, it just feels like, even though I am taking the train and going places, like, it's not the same right now, which is fine. I kind of like it being a bit uh, less hectic and a little bit bereft of tourists. But, uh, you know, it's not my city, at least not right now. Hopefully it'll pick back up again. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been rough. I'm sure you've been feeling like it's been rough, too. Um, this afternoon, both Rosa and I were, started crying because we were so frustrated with our students. Um, everyone's just really fucking checked out. But one nice thing, and then I will talk about the other nice thing after this set, but one nice thing is today is the six-month anniversary of our bringing Miss Bella DeBella home with us. <laughs> and... It's been really nice to see the pictures of this little doggy and how much of a ragamuffin she was when we picked her up. And now we have her with a nice sleek haircut. And she's definitely enjoying being a little more aerodynamic, I think. Um, this morning when I was taking her out, she's been scared to go to this beautiful little park across the street from us uh, for the last three months. Uh, she is triggered by the sound of children riding scooters and skateboards. Which, you know, same. And also basketballs, which, same. Uh, mostly because they just got a little too close to her <laughs> the last time she was in the park. And this morning she just, like, waltzed right in there like it was nothing. Like, she wasn't scared of everything all the time. So, uh, I guess it's the same with humans. You just gotta have patience and maybe eventually we'll all grow into the people we can be and who we're meant to be once we're given the right tools and uh, confidence. That's why I think we'll get started with uh, this song, <laughs> Couldn't Be Happier by Strays Don't Sleep. That's a project with Matthew Ryan at the helm, really a fantastic songwriter. Uh, he 
just released this EP, a short film for a long story. It The whole project, the whole EP is very understated like this, but I wanted to highlight one song so that I'm not giving like everything about it away. And hopefully you'll go check it out. There's like a gorgeous instrumental track in the middle. Uh, <laughs> if you're like me, you're feeling a lot of anxiety. And I think a short film for a long story can really help even that out. But if you don't need it evened out, we're going to follow this up with Austin Lucas. <laughs> and he's much more pointed. But I'll talk about that after this. We're going to kick it off with the strays don't sleep. Couldn't be happier. One, two, one, two, three, four. I couldn't be happier. My God, I can't believe I love. That long ago when I was absolutely certain that we were fucked. I wanna party like it's 
God, I can't believe I look It wasn't that long ago When I was absolutely certain that we were
last night I waited good And I've lived a thousand dreams Under the line of a single star And I hope it's shining on you Wherever it is
Following up Strays Don't Sleep was Austin Lucas. He and I had like an hour-long chat this past Sunday afternoon. I'm going to edit it (laughs) and condense it so that it's not quite an hour. And I'll release that as a separate bonus episode on the feed sometime this weekend. I've got a couple of other projects to attend to as well. Um, But I do want to get it out before Election Day in the U.S. because I think in spite of all the fear and depression and sense of being overwhelmed that I know I've had. Uh, Austin says some really inspiring things in there, and I think we could all use the courage that he's putting out into the world, especially with this album, Alive in the Hot Zone. He recorded it in, I think, early March in Germany, where he's been living for the past six months uh, unplanned, both living there and then making the album. He live-streamed the recording, which was pretty cool. And as he, you'll hear in the interview, a lot of the music here is very overtly political. Uh, Austin himself is very political, but I think this is the first time we have like a collection of songs from him that really drive politics as uh, or center politics as the main force. So that first song was Cry Over. And then American Pyre for the Patreon subscribers. That's from Alive in the Hot Zone. I like American Pyre because it feels sort of like the most different from his previous songs. It just seems like he's really like evolving his sound in a cool way. Then we got into some blues with Philip Michael Scales. He is B.B. King's nephew, as it turns out, and he's based out of Nashville. So just keep an ear out for him. I like this song, Tell Me How I Sound. Uh, It's got like a nice bluesy feel to it, but it's very much uh, Philip's own thing. Followed that up with uh, Light Country with Porkchop and the Fixins, The Moon. Uh, I met the bassist Kate in an online community, and we bonded over being butch queers who love country music. (laughs) And we rounded the set out with Mike Blair and the Stonewalls with their brand new single, Sleepin' Sundays. Okay, so here's the fun thing. (laughs) Back in April or so, when things were really at their height, My union, the professional staff congress at CUNY, created a partnership with one of the nurses' unions to provide, like, homework help. Um, And then anyone who wanted to, anyone in the membership could volunteer to just tutor. And I had forgotten that I had signed up. And the other thing about the PSC is that they kind of forget that not everybody in their membership is a professor. But they assumed that because I volunteered that I must have known something and nobody vetted me. I was just like, here's when I'm free. And they're like, cool. And then I forgot that that was even a thing because I'd only ever spoken with one student in the last six months. And this past weekend, I got a request to meet with a fifth grader who needed some social studies help. And I was like, hmm, what do fifth graders learn anyway? And I looked up the state standards and my entire body clenched. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I used to teach public school when I first started Adobe and Teardrops. It was like a thing I could do that was not necessarily education related that could serve as an outlet. And now I kind of have more of like a guidance counselor type of position. Uh, So going back to that stuff just gave me like a whole other anxiety attack. I guess that's the theme of this day's episode. And um, yeah, I was like, okay, well, fifth graders, we're about geography and the explorers so that's gonna be fun to talk about um yeah i sit down with this little fifth grader and she's just as cute as a little button this happened like an hour ago and her big question 
that she wanted me to check over her homework was list the 10 provinces of Canada. That was the entire homework assignment. And the answer was just in the textbook if you looked at it for five seconds. And, like, that's the kind of shit that, like, that's why people don't know anything. Because we're not willing to teach anything, although history is the example here, in a way that's meaningful or in a way that it's going to help people make connections between themselves and the world. Um, she didn't even know where Canada was on the map. And she didn't know that a province is a part of a country. That's kind of the whole freaking point of what her teacher is supposed to be teaching. And I know this because I got an anxiety attack looking at the standards. But this kid's really fucking smart. I made a list of all the questions she asked me after we had checked over her homework. Because she didn't really want to talk about the homework. That was easy. She had all these questions that her teachers, I guess, were either too busy or not prepared, as you'll see, or not interested in answering. So here's what we talked about today in one hour. Ready? How many languages are there? Because we were talking about how in Canada, English and French are the main languages, and they're indigenous peoples who also have other languages. And then we went on YouTube and listened to what Mohawk sounds like when it's spoken. So that was cool. Uh, so then she wanted to know, is it hard to make a language? So I told her about Klingon and Elvish. Then she wanted to know, how did people get news before TV? Because the video of Mohawk being spoken that we watched was like from a news segment from a reserve. Why weren't the first movies in TV in color? So we found an article, because I'm teaching her that if she has a question, she can find the answer. Uh, and that's what historians do. The answer was not straightforward. The answer was, there were always color movies, but it was really expensive until someone figured out how to make the right film. Then she wanted to know, what's the oldest language? So we talked about that in Sumeria. Then she wanted to know, when was the first year? So I talked about the difference between the Christian calendar, because she goes to a Catholic school, and the entire rest of civilization up until about 2,000 years ago. And then she was curious about sign language and when that was invented. So that was my evening. It was delightful. She wants another tutoring session. And, oh boy, that's going to be election night, huh? I think it'll be good to have like one small moment of joy <laughs> amidst all the existential terror. So yeah, if you are curious about Bella updates and what I spend my free time talking about with fifth graders, this is the podcast for you. If you want to listen to music, we're going to get back and do it with Jesse Jams and the Flams. Uh, Jesse is a Canadian artist who is uh, trans, has a number of mental illnesses, as he describes, and is also indigenous. And I watched this documentary I went to in the show notes, it's like not quite 15 minutes long, that I really encourage everyone else to watch. Uh, Jesse has been in and out of the foster care system and made a band when he was in a group home uh, alongside some professional mentors, and he and his band uh, have made some very charming, if a little bit crude, in terms of the lyrics, punk rock songs, as you'll hear. I started with one that was kind of funny, and then Patreon subscribers, there's also going to be one that's a bit more serious. But please do watch that short. It's really gorgeous. Uh, I hope that Jesse's doing well out there. I imagine that this is a tough time for anyone with 
um, who's struggling with depression. The film, of course, is not super graphic, but does talk about uh, a lot of issues related to depression and bipolar disorder. So just a heads up before you watch it. Um, but yeah, let's enjoy some silly punk rock. We're going to start with You Don't Know Crazy. Patreon subscribers, you'll also get to hear. I'm drawing a blank. And that's from Jesse Jams and the Flams EP, You Don't Know Crazy. Just 
And I'm grateful for the love they've shown Cause they're the names of the streets I took when I went home Now I'm writing at the table that we eat upon Little phrases about the whizzes that you turn me on I see you now, I'm learning how to finally focus on Little things like making coffee when the morning comes We mellowed things out a little bit with Jeremy Parsons' single, Lillian. Uh, Usually when I hear songs that are about, by a man, about, like, this woman they're dating and how much of a mess she is, I just kind of want to, like, get, like, a vein bulging on my forehead. But I think when you get to that last verse, uh, it kind of ties the whole song together, and that's not just about, like, some messy person you're in a relationship with. We chilled out with Mae Krell's single, Wash. I liked the samples of them kind of playing around in their bathtub. As it turns out, May is a neighbor of mine uh, that I'm always excited to feature their music on the podcast. Then we finished with Will Overman's Little Things, also a single. So before we get into the end of our podcast, which is going to be an interview with the duet Sally and George, just some housekeeping stuff. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that on my Patreon. You'll get to hear extra music get to vote on your favorite song of the episode and have your say on what gets played here because democracy matters at least somewhere. (laughs) And eventually, I promise, I'm going to start doing live streams. I swear. (laughs) I'll have them open to everybody for a little bit and then I'm going to make like a private Discord channel and we could just like have group chats about music and whatever else we want to have and it'll be a nice time. Uh, you can also support me once in a while by buying me a coffee. And if you want to send me music, you can do that through Submit Hub. That's where a good chunk of the artist on today's podcast uh, found me. 
So yeah, let's check in with Sally and George. Sally and George are a duet comprised of Shelby Means, who's from the all-woman bluegrass band Della May, and Joel Timmons from the sort of funk band, soul kind of thing. They talk about in the interview called Soul Driven Train. When I spoke with them over the weekend, they were with Shelby's parents in Wyoming, and as we speak, are making the drive back to South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it's fun. They're fun. You're going to enjoy it. Just kind of like a freewheeling sort of bluegrass with some edge. But let's get into it now. Until next week, in music we trust, in music we believe. Take care of yourself. Welcome to Adobe and Teardrops. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by and spending your evening uh, with me. Um, We're about to talk with Sally and George. They have a brand new album coming out the day most of you are hearing this, October 30th, Take You on a Ride. Uh, So I'll start out with saying um, you both have amazing chemistry. Uh, So could you tell us about how you came to be working together? Yeah, for sure. Thanks. And thanks for having Mm -hmm. us on the podcast. Um, We met in 2012. I was performing with Della May, an all-girl bluegrass band, and Joel was performing with his band um, Soul Driven Train, which is kind of a brass kick and roots rock band um, based in South Carolina. And we were both performing at the Bristol Rhythm and Roots Festival. So Joel and his bandmate stumbled upon Della May performing and I guess he kind of just was inspired by the music and the fact that it was all women on stage and thought it was really cool. And a little bit later, we bumped into each other at the merchandise table. And it wasn't, I, w- I don't know if it was love at first sight, but it was chemistry at first sight. So a couple of years later, um, we ended up going out on some dates and it was a little intense at first because it was kind of long distance, but um it worked out and then I guess it was, I don't remember the year, 2015 maybe, when I ended up parting ways with Della May and that's when our Sally and George musical, um, musical business partnership started. I would just add that, you know, we, we met at that festival um, and then it was like a full year later in that same festival when I got to see her again and I was all like, all right, I'm going to make my move. You know, this year I'm going to talk to that girl and it didn't happen again. She was, she breezed right past me with a different guy and, um, I was Classic. frustrated going back to South Carolina and like, what are we, what are we? that was, you're living a dream, man. And, uh, the, um, I, I just decided to like kind of take an imaginary, journey with my songwriting and sort of described wrote a song and described that first meeting and then just like went all the way with like okay and then you know we fell in love and then I moved to Nashville and then we got married and then we had kids and like wrote this kind of could be a creepy song but it was a, a, <laughs> a creepy <laughs> hopeful song <laughs> just like emailed it to her kind of cold out of the blue you know and uh no response for like weeks until she finally hit me back and said Oh, it was a nice song, but I I have a boyfriend and, uh, you know, we can just like be pen pals or something. But so it took, it took, it took some time for those, those things to work themselves out. But um, here we are, you know, I can't believe you said 2012. And that's like 
eight years ago. We've yeah. been married now for three years. Had the band, <laughs> right. I guess, for about five. Mm-hmm. It's sorry to talk about this. I know you were tweeting about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get too sappy on you here. <laughs> no, I think it's, well, so, but I think it's sweet. So you met and you started talking and then Joel, you were interested in Sap, Sally. So um, like, were you like texting with each other? Or was like that first communication, that song? Well, no, we, I guess I had been like, you know, yeah, probably like tweeting at her or something like that. Or t- yeah, from so my band account. started following, um, following, I think Shellbase, which is my Instagram. And I had no idea really who they were, but um, talked a little bit. And then Della May ended up going to play at the Barn Jam in Awandaw, South Carolina. And Joel saw that we were going to be there and he called up his friend who runs that and he said can we you know can I get my duo on here hit or miss and um I've got to be like I've got to just try to try to talk to this girl Shelby again and um at at that point they they planned like a little disc golf adventure for the beginning (laughs) of that uh, show and we had dinner together the two bands and we played a song together that night um speed of the sound of loneliness I think probably. <laughs> I know I jammed like on a bucket with you guys or something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, his plan was to play that song for me that night. But since that was really kind of the first time that we hung out, I guess, thankfully he got cold feet and um, he emailed it to me a few days later. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and I guess at that point, that's when, that's when we started an email correspondence that lasted for, couple months yeah a few months before we ever got together again in person you know um and I I think that was good that was like a nice a nice way to like draw out that getting to know each other Mm -hmm. you know through through the anticipation of getting to see each other and like trying to use language you know Mm -hmm. to to seduce each other you know (laughs) I think that's that's has come back around probably in the pandemic you know for a lot Mm -hmm. of people that, that aren't able to be together in proximity you know yeah how do you like keep the mystery alive when every second is together (laughs) yeah yeah right oh gosh it's changed so much now Mm -hmm. I mean for those that first once we started dating it was like a year where I was in South Carolina Shelby lived in Nashville we were both in touring bands that were you know ships in the night so we'd meet up occasionally in really fun places in New York City or in Key West or wherever when our our tours overlapped and it did kind of like drag out that honeymoon phase, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really cool. One of uh, your most recent singles was Fish for Free. Uh, and it's got like this kind of nice, like punk rock sort of folk kind of vibe. Um, how did you go about writing together and how do you two generally work together, the artistic process? Yeah. Well, um, Fish for Free, I actually wrote on my own and that one took me a couple years to kind of I had the idea and some of the lyrics and then the verses were more they they happened like after certain things inspired me and and then I would write them down um and it kind of came together like that and it took us the longest time to figure out it took I I think I, I was playing it on guitar and the way I was playing it, I had no like set 
arrangement and I would just play some chords longer than others. And it was, it took a really long time and a little bit of frustration for me and Joel to be able to play it together. Cause I would, you know, just look at him and like expect him to read my mind and read what was gonna, gonna happen in the song, even though it changed every time. So we eventually settled on more square uh, version of, of that one. <laughs> that just took some time playing it and experimenting and playing live. We wanted to have some more energetic songs. So kind of pick the tempo up a little bit and had that really like punk rock sound that, um, gosh, my dad would, he would just die if he heard me talking that I was playing any sort of punk rock music, but <laughs> punk rock, folk, folk, I don't know how to say it, but um, we did start co-writing in 2016 when we were about to release and record Tip My Heart, which was our first album. And I think we had like three or four co-writes on that song or on that album. Um, our first co-write was Hey Wow. And we were in Nashville and just hanging out at my house and decided let's schedule a co-write with ourselves. So we picked a time and put it down on the calendar and got together and started looking around at that point saying, what can we talk about? What can we write about? And that is actually a lot of how we co-write is just like our common experiences. Now that we've been together for a while, we've, we have these um, shared experiences. Um, one of our most recent co-writes, it isn't on this album, but it's coming out with our other band, Lover's Leap. Um, and it's called Lover's Leap. And it was about our um, experience paragliding in France last summer. <laughs> yeah, so at that point, we just decided we were gonna co-write a song. We decided let's write it about paragliding. And then we gave ourselves about 20 minutes each to just free write, you know, try to write, write out some ideas and lyrics. And then when we put, when we shared at the end of it, it was kind of amazing how easily the two sides fit together, Joel's writing and my writing. Um, we had similar rhymes and similar um, meter and that sort of thing. So that was really cool to <laughs> watch that come along. And other times I'll start something or Joel will start something and bring it to the other person and we'll help out with melody ideas or chord ideas or just if one of us gets stuck on a word or something, then we can bring that to each other. It's, it's fluid, but um, always, always cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we kind of have different approaches to songwriting. Like, I, I feel like I have a little more, um, like a kind of a book report, you know, I sort of think about an outline, like this is the concept I want to say, and then like build things sort of architecturally. Um, and so it can just be like a little square and dull sometimes. And Shelby really is, has a more open-minded, fantastical kind of approach to, to it, you know, without, without like this kind of verse, chorus, first chorus, bridge um, thing in, in her, you know? So mm -hmm. I, like, I like the results of us mixing those two styles together. It's, it's fun. I mean, it sounds like you two complement each other very well, both artistically and in life. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky for that. I mean, we spend a lot of time together and mm -hmm. driving places and just being 
like when when quarantine really hit it for us it wasn't super different the biggest difference was not playing shows and having that social aspect taken away but we have you know unless I would go out on tour with someone else or Joel would go on tour with his band um we've been we're together a lot able to figure out how to work work that out you know taking our solo time when we need it and mm-hmm. that's yeah I think that's something that a lot of uh as uh Joel would say a lot of the people living together right now <laughs> are learning how to do yeah <laughs> I right. feel like somebody maybe perhaps you should have some kind of podcast that's like you know like a mini series that's like here's how like couples a tour together and sort of work through it yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah our friend our friend Rachel Bayman just mm-hmm. wrote an article for no depression that I read that was kind of like her and her husband George you know tr- tiptoeing into the treacherous waters of <laughs> making music together as a married couple you know it is like it is fraught you know I mean you see there's there's some really high profile successes and some high profile failures you know like <laughs> yeah. a bit of a, a high stakes game um mm. but we agreed like okay we're going to do this band together but we have we, we agree to kill the band before we destroy our marriage you know if it, yeah. if it starts if it starts fraying and i mean you know there's like little little pressure release valves in every relationship you know that have been some of those have been taken away during the pandemic you know but still just trying to find those this a little time for ourselves or what's what's something that's just for me and not for Shelby and Joel or for Sally and George, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I feel like we should listen to Fish for Free because it has an escapist sort of sound to it. And then after we listen to it, I want to ask you a little bit more about the song. Okay, great.
So that was Fish for Free from Take You on a Ride. To me, the sound, the song, like I said, is sort of like really escapist, but it also has like this political message of, uh, you know, like the things you have actually might not be necessary. And I was wondering how you sort of like reconcile this idea of like, or at least that's what I was hearing in it, but the reconcile yeah. this idea of uh, what, um, of like feel like you can drop everything and go um, and be happy but also being like aware of um, or connected or engaged in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that fourth verse, the wheels turn on the big machine. We keep on using gasoline. Yeah. Make more, make more, wind up with less. Such a beautiful mess. That was kind of, I guess, as much as I've delved into politics, you know, in my writing, um, a little more subtle, but there and I just I think it's it's such a, a challenging time that we're in right now um politically things are really heating up and in in the country things are getting you know a little more more violent or at least the violence is coming up to the surface and we're seeing it more and acknowledging that racism is happening all around us and um, at the same time, I think that's an important thing for music to, to speak to, but I also think it's really important to let go and find your happy place and, um, clap your hands and sing if, if it makes you happy. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know, people need to be, need to find their inner happiness and then we can work on the rest of the world or however that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't contribute any lyrics or anything to that song, but I think she walks a really nice line of that. It's like a joyful sound, but mm. then she's talking about like overdose and, you know, like this, this system that we're, that's spinning out of control, you know, and that everything, this sort of fatalistic idea that everything ends, you know, and I, don't, I think it's cool. It's a cool, um, amalgam you know of, of this those two different ideas yeah totally like in the end that's what I was saying like in the end everything ends that's why I felt like it's not a happy song in my <laughs> mind but <laughs> if you listen to the beat it can make you forget about what what's actually happening and that's also kind of a it is escapist I guess it's it's been easy to kind of bury our heads in the sand and not um, see what's going on around us or realize that we can change what's going on and um, just sneaking it in there in the lyrics a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's what grabbed me about the song, especially, I mean, the lyrics we quoted were like, oh, this is a fun song. Oh, wait a minute. I got to go back and listen to this a couple more times. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what you did there was really intelligent. Um, <laughs> and then with Listen, Sister, um, that also has like a really different tone, but also like a very urgent message. Um, mm-hmm. And then I know that Shelby, you uh, also were the primary, I think, of the pair writer on this, and you worked with Melody Walker from Front Country, whose uh, song I played a couple weeks ago. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, it was a really awesome experience for me getting to co-write with her. I haven't done a lot of co-writing. I've written with Joel and this one song with Melody. We did another co-write that we sort of wrote a song, but it was like a lot of pressure to live up to listen sister. (laughs) So uh, we ended up just having a dance party at the end of that co-write. Listen sister. um, Gosh, we wrote it about three years ago, I think. And even then like the me too movement was really starting to, to happen. And it came from a really personal place for me, but also I think that it's, it's cool that like, all women are sisters. And so it speaks to that um, sisterhood that we have and that we need to protect because it's so easy. And oftentimes, you know, we think of men turning and, you know, stabbing women in the back or, or hurting women somehow. But in reality, women also hurt women. And um, it's easy to get jealous and, you know, kind of get locked up in those feelings or whatever it is, even within families, you know, Mm -hmm. sisters fight and sometimes never make up. And that's just sad because I I think that we have the power and we have the ability as women to forgive each other, to just, you know, swallow our pride sometimes and um, yeah try to try to make amends. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's a wonderful arrangement. Uh, did both of you like craft it together? Cause I, I, I don't yeah. want to feel left out. <laughs> oh, no, we, we I, I love this song. And we, we, we recorded it um, with our friend Kai Welch. It was, it was sort of after Tip My Heart had, had come out and then we didn't really have a plan for another record, but we we're just like, let's just record a few songs with some different people. And Kai is a good friend and um, felt that was a good fit. And it started out, we started off with a very spare arrangement. Um, I think I was, I was playing a Stratocaster through a little amp and Shelby was playing her upright bass and singing. And we recorded the, it like that. And then I overdubbed my vocal. And then we just, you know, we sat in the control room and kind of listened to it with Kai and and both of us are just like, we're like playing air drums, you know, and like imagining all these other things. And so then we we just sort of said, okay, well, it's not going to sound like when we do our live duet version of it, you know, let's just like let the song to lead us wherever the arrangement needs to go, you know? So I think Kai added some keys. We added some drums to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we, Shelby called Kristen Weber, who's a, a friend of ours, violin player, and she composed the string arrangement and brought in another friend, Larissa, on cello. cello. And then we've got Melody Walker to come in and do the background vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was just it was just growing and growing and growing, you know, <laughs> and, until this this sort of like 
I don't know, symphonic soul sound that we ended up with. Um, but I think it, I think it works. And, and Shelby was able to bring in a lot of women from our Nashville community to kind of make it such a big sound. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That was really, really special for me to get to do that. Um, I kind of took over the Sally and George band a little bit with that song, <laughs> but that's one of the bonuses of having supportive people in our lives as women, you know, they, Joel let me run with it. And that was cool. We didn't use a click track when we recorded it. So all the, all the other players that we called in, they just had to feel it where we were feeling it. And mm -hmm. I think that's, I have big um, props to give to Kristen and Kai and Jamie Dick who played drums um, for, for being able to, to work with that sort of thing. Right. So like for people who don't, um, I am only like vaguely familiar with how like recording an album or even just a song works. So you like had the parts you'd already recorded with Kai. And then I get, it sounds like what typically happens is someone else comes in like a drummer, a bass player and just knows their part and listens to like basically a metronome, metronome and right. And that's in their headphone and they record the part. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, but what you had people do was they came in and they listened to what had already been recorded and built on top of that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, it, and it did, we, you know, our, the sort of winding production approach that we took def definitely uh, came with some, some obstacles. Mm -hmm. We had recorded the upright bass at the same time as the vocal. And we forgot to, you know, when we record the bass, we'll put a, a microphone or sometimes two microphones on it. And then she also has a pickup in the bridge. Um, and so you blend all three of those signals together and get a nice tone. Well, we had the tuner on and the pickup. <laughs> so it didn't get that signal at all, but we got the performance. It was like, no, that was the one. She nailed the vocal, got yeah. the bass, you know, but then it's like, you know, when you turn the bass microphone up, you start to hear this ghost of Shelby singing in the room. And when you turn the vocal microphone up, then you hear these bass tones coming in there. So we, it was a learning experience, mm -hmm. you know, um, that some of those, there's sometimes there's reasons that people use isolation booths and metronomes and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, but um, it was fun to, to do it organically and, and let, you know, let like her, the, her creative vision for it sort of like lead the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it sounds like that the process might've taken a couple of days to get people like coming in and out. I think it probably too. took a dang six months. Or, or more, <laughs> well, you know? okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, you know, it was, yeah. time was, Kyle's kind of is a busy guy and we were, we were touring at the same time. So we'd work on it a little bit with him and listen to the mixes and think, you know, what do you think about like some organ or so, you know, and, and it, yeah, it was over a process of months that then all <laughs> the different parts were added together. And then we mixed it and it, it wasn't fitting in with the rest of the album. So then we had to remix it, you know, and, and I think it turned out really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, it really is beautiful. So I think we should, Oh, <laughs> I think we should go out on it, but uh, is there anything else uh, you two would like to talk about um, before we listen to Listen Sister? Well, thank you so much again for having us on. And um, we're really, really excited about Take You on a Ride that comes out today, October 30th. <laughs> and um, we are missing live touring a lot. And we actually booked a few shows in Charleston, South Carolina 
um, that'll be socially distanced and outdoors. So mm-hmm. people can check out our website for more information on that sort of thing. Listen, sister, where did we go wrong? We used to sit and talk for hours. Now I'm singing this song on my lonesome, wishing you All original content is copyright Adobe and Teardrops. All original music is copywritten by their respective artists.